0: ah uh, hello my friends hello my life warriors wherever you are in the world welcome to the day in day out podcast Woo! today on episode 175 i had the joy and pleasure of having cordell jacks On the podcast, he is a dream coach. I have to say, it was a very interesting discussion we had. Well, interesting conversation. Uh, We talked about many things. Uh, We talked about how he discovered uh, his sort of passion for being a dream coach. Uh, Yeah, how we talked about ayahuasca and basically, yeah, how dreams can help. Uh, utilize that extra two hours of your day. If I could have an extra two hours in my day, I'll bite your hand off for it. I've got to say, it was a joy to have him on. I look forward to having back on in the future. And yeah, please sit back, enjoy the show. And don't forget, please subscribe. It really does help. And yeah, have a good one, guys. Yep. Peace. ha, <laughs> Here you go. Ah, hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the day in day out podcast. Woo. Today on episode 175, I am very privileged to have uh ah, Cordell Jacks. He is a dream coach helping people awaken their dreamer within. How are you today, sir? Very well, Miwa. Thanks so
1: much for having me. It's an honor to be here on your show.
0: Uh, you know what it's an honor to have you here like you know like this is the thing when I hear dream coach like I'm just expecting like this team of charismatic like skilled people to come bursting through the door as you like try to maybe like you know influence a powerful CEO or something like this but I could be wrong it might be a little bit more complicated than that how did you become a dream coach Well, let me just share that uh,
1: dreaming has been uh, an important part of my life, my entire life. As many young people, I was a deep dreamer. I had nightmares. I had fantastic dreams. And then early in my 20s, I was dating a woman whose mom turned out to be one of the world's foremost dream psychologists. And I ended up spending as much time with her mom as I did with her, Uh, (laughs) maybe to the detriment of our relationship. But She turned me on to the fascinating academic world. Of dream research, which I didn't even know was a field of study, and I just became enthralled, and so I started reading everything I could get my hands on and practicing every night all of these different skills and practices and techniques to start working with my
0: dreams. Yeah, because like this is the thing. Look, everyone has experienced a dream. Like, yeah, be it positive, negative, uh, but like the whole thing is. Coaching is not one of the things which you like sort of like hear many a person (laughs) like, go, yeah, I'm going to do coaching. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I I spent most of my career, I'm a a business background student. And so I spent most of my career actually in social innovation, in international development. I was working with the likes of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Bank, doing water and sanitation work, work across Asia and Africa. I worked in circular economy and ocean plastics work, all things that were trying to help people live healthier, happier lives. And then a few years back, I went and did some personal work and really got a download that was, you know, hey, this this personal passion that you've had for the last 20 years of studying dreams, it's time to start sharing that with others. And I didn't quite know what to do with this. This this bit of a download that I received. And and then all of a sudden, one night, I had a massively healing transformative dream that changed my life. And I had worked, I had suffered some trauma when I was younger. And in this dream, I was able to go in Mm. and to see myself as this 11 year old boy, reassure this little boy, tell him, you know, you're loved, nothing's your fault here, everything's going to be okay. And as we kind of embraced and, and dissolved into each other, I woke up, tears streaming down my eyes and just this profound healing moment that ultimately let a whole bunch of baggage off my shoulders that I had been carrying really changed my, my perspectives on life. And that's kind of when I got it. That's when I was like, ah, okay, we have these ceremonial opportunities, these healing opportunities, these creative opportunities every night. And now I want to start sharing it. Everything in the last twenty years that I've been learning with others, and that's ultimately how I took the plunge into becoming a dream coach.
0: <laughs> no, because it does trip like trip me out. Because when I see Walton School, the Waltons, I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> it's like, so oh, it's like Wharton, like yes. When I hear that name, it's like business, like corporate, yep. straight down the middle. And like, here you are, like, okay, look. Now, if this was a a certain decade some like some time ago like hey look with the long hair and everything like this I would expect you to be handing me some beads and like hey man I love you yeah peace (laughs) totally
1: totally you know it was the one of the most terrifying things I've ever done in my life which was to open up to my network and community and say hey I'm going to become a dream coach and I figured you know all of my professional network would be like okay this Cordell guy he has moved to Vancouver Island, which is known as a bit more of a a green hippie area. He's doing (laughs) ayahuasca ceremonies and deep self-work. And now he's becoming a dream coach. This guy has dropped off the edge of the earth. (laughs) And interestingly enough, and this happens with most of our fears when we face them, Mm. the thing I feared most, the judgment of all of these people in my life that I held in high regard that I respected, those same people, became same, some of my most important and best clients these were CEOs and executives who were coming to me saying oh yeah i've i've gotten some of my greatest ideas from my dreams i dream every night i've had experiences can you help me out with this and i've really you know focused a lot of my practice on helping these these people who are out there to try and help the world be a better place access these altered states of consciousness every night every night for their and
0: everyone else's benefit Mm. yeah like this is the thing when you say fears i think like i it's one of those things which sometimes is easier said than done but when you tend to lead in like lean into your fears that's when the growth starts to happen but people don't kind of realize that because look you could be like corporate guy and do like you know i mean do this on like do this as something you like oh yeah keep this quiet but yeah i'm like yeah i'm a dream coach I can help you with like this, that, the other. <laughs> but you would not sort of hit your sort of true potential of like who you could be or where you can possibly go from this point onwards, um, which would have been, I would say, tragic in a way, you know?
1: You know, and I, I think tragic's a really good word for describing what we have here. Mm. We live in a dominant culture. and By dominant culture, I mean, we live in a Western scientific rational consumer culture most people in the world and unfortunately this dominant culture does not nurture or encourage an act of dream life you know when you think about it I have a two and a half year old daughter yeah. she wakes up in the morning the first thing I ask her is did you have any dreams last night and she tells me about what came on and a lot of it you know is is nonsense that I don't know what to make of, but just the fact that she's sharing it, I'm encouraging her every day mm. to reflect on these experiences, these places that she goes to every single night. We don't live in a culture where that's necessarily encouraged. And we spend our energy and attention on the things we value. If culture around us doesn't value dreaming, doesn't value these altered states that we go to, then we're not going to spend time on it, we're not going to practice it, and then it becomes, you know, less frequent and less important in our life. And so we, we are ultimately, I think, suffering as a civilization, as a dominant culture here, by not nurturing this one-third of our life, these two hours every single day that most of us spend dreaming this opportunity to look at life differently from, yes, sometimes a bizarre, sometimes a strange, sometimes a hilarious perspective. <laughs> but every time we take an altered stance, an altered view on our life, we get new perspectives. And what does new perspectives give us? But new choices. And isn't that what we all want? More choices more perspective, different ways of looking at things. And I think that's something our dominant culture actually needs very much, which is to look at life and, and our sociability
0: in very different ways. Yeah, like this is a thing I would say with <laughs> the developed world, like with regards to the sort of realms of taking R&R, taking that sort of rest and rec- recuperation. It's one of those, like when you said, yeah, you had lot like lots of CEOs like going, yeah, I dream about this, I dream about that. Like, I would say dreaming, as much as, like, I would say when you're younger, it is, it seems like it's easier. Maybe it's because you're just processing a lot more during the day, but as time goes on, it just feels like, okay, you get caught up a lot more in the modern world, just again and again and again. And I would say, like, with regards to last year slash this year, where people have had a little bit more time not sort of having to do the commute or just basically not having to go anywhere. It's given them much more of an opportunity to sort of maybe get back in touch with that side of themselves. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think, I think this last year has been incredible. And we, we've seen this. A lot of uh, academic dream researchers out there have seen, okay, people are having more dreams. Mm-hmm. They are having dreams about COVID. And interestingly enough, you know, this forced hibernation that we've all just been through, and many of us are still going through, um, really has been an opportunity to not be running around the planet as we have been, but to settle, settle down, sit down, and to go inward. Mm. And ultimately, that journey, you know, we're we're living in a time and a place where we're starting to rub up against the boundaries of constraints, the boundaries of. Finite resources, you know, infinite growth in a finite resourced economy is always going to, you know, it's it's never going to work. And so interestingly, as we've been forced to settle down and to go inward, we're starting to recognize, oh, there's infinite opportunity for experience and journey as we start to look at our psyches, at our minds at the collective unconscious. And there's just so much exploration and education that can be done there, as much as it may seem sexier to jump on a plane and and jump halfway across the world.
0: Yeah, no, no, I hear you, I hear you. One day they'll bring back Concord, I'm gonna go on that That's my dream, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, yeah, no well
1: i i would just say to that definitively you know hopefully we get to get back to seeing the people we love and exploring the planet as much as possible but Mm. don't miss the opportunity every night to go flying in your dreams don't miss the opportunity to journey far beyond anything that we can experience in waking life in these altered states that we go
0: to every night in our dreams yeah no like this is the thing dream like flying in your dreams or flying in reality i remember reading a green lantern comic oh god like many 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 moons ago when when i was but a lad but yeah and like the character the main character hal jordan he was like going yeah one of the most addictive things you can ever do is fly (laughs) it's like like because it's like going the freedom going anywhere and like yeah just pure like ecstasy now Flying in one's dreams. Like, when I have to ask, when was the last time you flew in your dream?
1: Yeah, actually, probably I've done it once in the last year. It was something that, as I learned to lucid dream, and lucid dreaming is this state where you recognize that you're in a dream Mm -hmm. while you're dreaming. So it's this this incredible aha moment of, holy cow, everything around me is a bit of an illusion. I'm in a dream. Now, what do I want to do in this limitless place? And many students of mine, many people I coach in this practice, the first thing they want to do is, well, fly. Or as I like to say, they either like to fuck, frolic, or fly. They want to do something very sensorial. They're looking for uh, sensation seeking. What's that? Uh, all the Fs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's a very important first step as people learn to explore this mm. alternative state of consciousness. Yeah, go flying. Yeah, go through wish fulfillment. Yeah, carry out those things that you desire to do that maybe waking reality won't let you do. Now, I say that with a caveat. I always tell students, don't do anything that you wouldn't do in waking life in your dreams. There's a lot of lineage practices, Buddhist beliefs that look, we create karma one way or another. And what we're learning about our brain waves that during dreams is that our brains can't really tell the difference between what happens in our dreams and what happens when we're awake. so if you're continuously etching new neural pathways in your brain as you have different experiences, whether waking or sleeping, you don't want to do anything that is against your beholden values that you keep. so yes, go and explore the dream realm. And soon as students begin to get practice at this and start to really gain value from the experiences they have, then they start to look for deeper experiences. Okay, what would it be like for Cordell here to be Miwa tonight? What would it look like for me to have an experience from someone else's shoes? What would it look like for me to become a stampeding group of buffalo through the plains? What would it be like for me to extend my experiences beyond the human corporal realm. And then it just gets deeper and deeper. What do you what do you want to explore? What you are no longer limited by your five senses and your your body. What types of awarenesses do you want to have? And that starts to really open up your mind, it starts to not only, you know, give you these experiences during dream time, but the ripple effects are how you look at life around you. If I'm being Miwa tonight in my dreams, if I intend to do that or to act from another person's perspectives. How might that help me put myself in the shoes of another during my day-to-day waking life? And ultimately, what is that but creating empathy and compassion? And so it's a really fruitful practice, I think, not only for our personal development, but again, for our overall sociability as a, as a civilization.
0: Mm, like, hey, if you dreamed that you're me, remember this. You're, like, <laughs> there's only so much awesomeness what can be contained in one vessel. <laughs> Like yes. Um I'm I'm looking up the words modesty, um like how how like self-restraint. Um like yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. But yes. Can I can I ask you, Miwa, how often do you remember your dreams? You know what? That's the weird thing. I would say maybe once a month or so, but like this yep. is the thing. It's how can I put it? I think my mind sometimes is in a weird place of go. I'm like early, to, like early to bed, early to rise. And yeah, <laughs> uh, getting at it. plus why I'm podcasting. I have quite a long day. Let's just say I have yeah. a long day. So yeah. So I
1: don't yeah. So once a month is not uncommon for many people to say to me, yeah, I'll remember a dream here and there. And ultimately, when, when I share with people, well, how would you like to remember your dreams every single night or close to every night, and it will not affect your sleep. In fact, the practice of doing some intentional dream work usually honors your sleep. It yeah. gives you better sleep hygiene, it gives you better rest. And we know the science is in on this one. Sleep is the epitome, the, the foundation of our overall physical, mental and emotional health, if not spiritual And so as people start to practice, one, they quickly realize, okay, with just a little bit of intention and just carving out a little bit of time when I wake up each morning, just a few minutes to usually write down my dreams in a journal, to just reflect on my dreams. One, I can have two hours of experiences come back to me as part of my lived experience every single day for the rest of my day. And two, because I am starting to get greater and greater value from these experiences, I want to honor my sleep. I want to make sure I get the recommended seven to eight hours of sleep each night because that's when I know I'm going to do the most dreaming. And again, these beyond waking experiences start to add greater and greater value in my life. So it's a a virtuous feedback cycle, a positive loop of just, okay, dreams are adding value. It's either helping me with healing work or creative problem solving or threat rehearsal or emotional processing, you whatever it might be that speaks to you, then I'm going to honor my sleep because these are important lived experiences. Does that make sense?
0: Well, it does make sense. It makes sense to me. I'm, I'm also curious about like, yeah, if you've got like a Fitbit or an iWatch or something like that, what your sleep score is, because look, <laughs> I like, I, I crack, 70 at my sort of like, yeah, on my fitback. Yeah, 70. Okay. Yeah, my, my lady looks at me and like, I think sometimes she's going to just like, yeah, just drug me to like get a <laughs> more sleep. Um, yeah, I think she regularly cracks around about 80. Maybe I think she even got 90, but. Yeah. Double check, but yeah. You know
1: what? I I, I don't use any of those metrics, but I highly recommend them for most people. It, again, it comes down to, we can manage what we measure, and starting to measure: Am I getting this many hours of sleep? Am I getting deep sleep? All of that's going to add to your overall health. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the, you know, the the quantitative self m- movement, um, but I don't use it ultimately because this has become such an important part of my life that I just know it's not one of the areas that I need to put extra focus on. That being said, I like anyone am faced with all of the challenges of modern day life of always on culture of screens in our face continuously. And so even for me, I will go through periods where, yeah, I just want to watch a Netflix show at the end of the day. I've been working my face off and I need some downtime, some just non-cognitive research time. Okay. Well, I also know that that screen time, anything closer to 30 minutes before bed is drastically going to alter the amount of deep sleep I have. So I'm in a continuous vigilant state of like, hey, my sleep is a boundary that I'm standing firm on. I know a show would be great, but I know an extra hour of really deep sleep is going to help me that much more be a better husband, father, dream coach, social innovator, all of these things. And so I, I guard it you know, very closely to my chest. I, I guard it with, with real rigor.
0: Mm. No, i I'm liking that. I'm liking that a lot. Like, this is the thing, look, as I mentioned earlier, like I, like, I remember a dream, like, once, like, yeah, once a month or so. But, like, what about people who don't remember their dreams? What about people who go, I don't dream? Uh, what, like, yeah. And they come to you. What do you say to that? It's like, uh, I'm a dream coach, and they go, I don't dream. Yeah. It's I say bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Can yeah. we swear on this podcast? <laughs> well, you, you've sworn twice. You know what I mean? Look, <laughs> you and your I'm little a, potty mouth. I'm <laughs> a dream coach and a pirate. Yeah. Exactly. Um,
1: <laughs> no, it, it, it is BS because everyone dreams two hours a night. We know this. The, yeah. the studies are in everyone dreams. It's just that every, not everyone remembers their dream. And again, with a little bit of attention. So one of the things that I do to get people on who don't believe me, I, I put out uh, a a free seven-day dream recall challenge. So anyone can sign up. And for seven days, I'll send you a couple-minute videos, some tips and techniques. And within seven days, people are remembering their dreams like they haven't since they were usually younger.
0: Mm.
1: Now, the question is, why haven't they been remembering them? Again, carving out time or not. Sometimes there is trauma. Sometimes people have had nightmares and that's been too overwhelming. And they just unconsciously shut down their dreaming in which case there's some work for us to do. Let's, let's go and revisit these nightmares. Let's, let's go and know that this is a safe place. But ultimately when students sign up for this, this recall challenge, I get emails every day going, okay, I just finished the challenge. I remembered four dreams this week. I hadn't remembered dreams in months. Where do I take this? And so the the great thing is the, the really exciting thing is a little bit of practice very quickly goes a long way. And that's just the tiniest tip of the iceberg as to what you can start to explore with with these states every night. And so ultimately, like one of the, the biggest selling points for me on really diving into this is do you want to let one third of your life, the hours between, you know, the hopefully the eight hours you're trying to get of sleep, do you want one third of your life to be just pure unconscious time? Is that just going to be a time where we say, no, this is a byproduct of waking life? Nothing I can do about it. If I could, I'd stay up 24 hours, but I gotta do this. But that's downtime, that's off time. Or ultimately, do you want to turn this into supra-consciousness time? I mean, going beyond your regular waking consciousness, expanding your mental maps, expanding your meaning in life. We can learn to use these couple hours that we spend dreaming every single night to ultimately open up our worldviews, let go of our limiting beliefs, do this inner healing work, ultimately self-development and growth. And so dream work is really about choice-making. Do I do I make a choice to add a little attention to these few hours? And literally a little attention is a few minutes a day. I take one or two minutes before bed. I write down some intentions. I intend to remember my dreams tonight. I intend to have dreams about this problem I'm thinking about or this situation I'm dealing with emotionally. And then when I wake up a few minutes of just capturing whatever I get down. So it could just be as little as five minutes a day, but do I make a choice? to turn these few hours of dream time into something that will help me grow or just choose to forget it and not have it as part of my lived experience. And that's, that's a big choice.
0: Mm. So dream manipulation. Very interesting. Very interesting.
1: Dream incubation, I would call it. Okay. So there, there, there is some influence that you can have. So we're starting to see this, Um, uh, particularly a good example would be Olympic sports athletes. Okay. So a number of of countries and a number of coaches around the world, we all are starting to use dreams as a way to prepare their athletes for their sports. We all know that visualization Mm -hmm. is a really supportive tool. If I'm going to go bench press, I'm going to think about, okay, I'm going to lift this 10 times, and just that act of visualization will help me lift more. Olympic divers, they'll visualize the twists and turns that they need to do off the diving board. Well, that visualization practice, research is in, we know that's helpful. When we start to incubate dreams where we are practicing those same dives in the dream, it's actually a better form of visualization because in a dream, most often we don't recognize it a dream. It's a dream. It seems very real to us, despite how bizarre and weird it might be. And so if you can intend and incubate dreams where you're practicing, whether it's a problem you're thinking about in your mind or an Olympic diving routine, you are deeply embodied in the experience. And just like muscle memory is a deeply embodied experience, visualization in this supremely real virtual reality simulator of our dreams actually improves that practice for athletes, problem solvers, anyone. And so we're starting to catch on that, oh, this state is more than just the random murmurations of my daily mind. I'm not just emotionally processing what happened. I'm not just doing memory consolidation. This is an active state, if I choose to make it as such, that can ultimately help me in whatever I'm dealing with. And there's there's a fantastic book out there called The Committee of Sleep. And it's just a history of people who have used their dream time, from Paul McCartney to Salvador Dali to Albert Einstein to the periodic table of elements to the book of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, how dream times have influenced some of the greatest innovations of humanity and how dreams have ultimately shifted the world that we live in today. So when we start utilizing, again, this altered state of consciousness, this other perspective, we get a wider lens, a wider view on the world. And that just, you know, that just makes things more colorful and more more whole for
0: us all. Yeah. No, you know what? I like that. I really do. Because look, this is the thing. Like when... With regards to visualization and those sort of practices, what, what people put into place, like, I'm doing the perfect flip or I'm going down, like, I'm doing, like, the bobsleigh. I'm, like, visualizing the course and making that happen. Um, like, to say, okay, all that sort of time we spend sleeping is just wasted. It's, you know what I mean, not the thing I would go, i will be like, okay, the stuff what gets processed through your sleep, like, I wish I knew a little bit more about that. But sadly, there's only, <clears throat> how can I say, I've mm-hmm. only got a certain amount of lo- knowledge when it comes to that type of thing myself. But yeah, yeah. well,
1: I thought I thought you were going to say there's only so many hours in the day, which well, is ultimately why. Yeah, let's look. What if I said, I don't know, you are this- well, for the rest of your life, I'm going to give you two extra hours every single day to play with, to do, to think about, to contemplate,
0: okay. would you take it? Well, I would take those two hours, like no problem. I'd, I'd bite your hand off maybe, but that's yeah. another story. But yes, yeah, I thought, yeah. But Again, like, that, that, that comes down to that choice. If, yeah. we, if we choose
1: to spend a few minutes on this, the return on investment is incredible. Okay, five minutes a day of dream work practice, you get two extra hours of lived experience. Not just lived experience, dramatically different, bizarre, hilarious, fun Wish fulfillment, all of these different things, and so again, I always say the return on investment from a dream work practice, which most people pick up uh, pretty quickly, uh, is just—it's a whole other aspect of life. It's a whole other—it's a whole other piece of our identity, and that's—that's that's what's really interesting about this work. Mm. One of my most nourishing, nurturing aspects of this work is that when I see students start to click in with a dream work practice when they're coming back, going okay. I'm dreaming dreaming every night, that's first step. Two, okay, I'm actually getting insights and inspiration from my dreams, okay. Three, I'm starting to be able to interpret and see symbols and patterns. Four, I'm starting to see synchronicities between my waking life and my dreaming life and what's coming through. Ultimately, these students are coming back going, okay, well, what I'm noticing is that this is a whole other aspect of my identity and I I am a multiplicity. I am more than I thought I was before I started this practice. I am, yes, my waking rational consciousness that we've educated and developed and lived so much of our life. And I am this inner other. I am this other aspect of consciousness that is supporting me in my growth. I'm now night and day, light and shadow. It's part of my personality. And that, that ultimately expands our sense of self. And when we expand our sense of self, it expands our ideas and perceptions of the world around us. So I know that goes very deep into uh, some of the woo-woo and some of the spook around playing with, you know, Jung has called it the shadow. We can call it the inner other, the collective unconsciousness, our higher self, source, the universe, whatever you want to call it. There's no right or wrong answer. No one knows. But there is this other aspect of ourself that if you're willing to listen, is here to teach. Mm. is here to help you is here to guide you on your path and you know i think that's that's just a part of ourselves and it's a
0: it's a beautiful part of ourselves that is in support of our own growth Mm. i hear you i hear you but like this is one of the things i think we help i don't think we actually sort of really think about it we as human beings are like greater than the sum of our parts like we're a living ecosystem which like houses not just our life but like yeah Like, if you really want to go, like, yeah, your immune system, yeah, like, every sort of little bacteria out there. And, like, yeah, a number of diseases which are trying to actually like wipe you out. But thanks (laughs) to the immune system, it keeps it at bay. But, like, to just simply go, hey, this is, like, this is me, this is you. And, like, to go, right, and this is where people are like, man, you might be a little bit of a hippie yourself. But, no, it's a case of with that sort of ecosystem of, the individual which is made up of several like parts we don't i think it's a case of there's some things we haven't really truly tapped into yet and look maybe the power of sleep might help us get there a little bit more maybe it might be something more transcend like transcendental trans- yeah. transcendental yeah yeah trans- yeah uh to like help us get there like because look you've done the sleep you've done (laughs) ayahuasca like yeah if like in the uk i don't think that i don't even i don't even know if it's legal or illegal but (laughs) illegal for sure okay yeah (laughs) but like yeah how did you get on the whole sort of yeah the ayahuasca trail i wonder
1: yeah i mean the 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 two stories are, are really interrelated so um while I was in international development, uh, I was into triathlons and, and long distance ultra running and just, you know, really, a, a athleticism was a really big part of my identity. And then one day out for a six hour run and I had a pain and I went and got it checked out and I had surgery and then I had another surgery and I had five surgeries. I was in bed for nine months straight. And that, you know, from a, an active guy running around the globe, working on different projects to now you're in bed for nine months. Mm. I was depressed. And at the end of those five surgeries, I lost my ability to run and I haven't run since it's been a decade since I've had my last run. I haven't danced. I haven't played in bands like I did. And so it really took a whole bunch of foundations of my identity away and Interestingly, you know, I depression, having to grieve this part of myself. It wasn't until one day that I really realized, hey, I can still run by incubating the idea of doing this in a lucid dream. And so one night it took me a, a week or two of practice of intending to have a running dream, but I became aware, I became lucid in my dream that I was dreaming. I was like, run, this is what you wanted to do, that was your game plan. And I started running and I remember looking down at my feet. I was in point of view, you know, first person point of view. I remember seeing my chest huffing and puffing. I remember feeling sweat dripping down my face. And I awoke from this incredible experience, panting, heart pounding. And it was an incredible experience. And people will say, well, doesn't that experience make you want to run even more? Wasn't that a little bit of a salt in the wound? No, it actually really helped me with my grieving. It really helped me as well. Remember that. Yeah, as we all grow older, we're all going to lose different faculties. But with the faculty of our mind, with that inner exploration, we can still do all of these things. We can still have these deeply embodied experiences that are important to us. And so, all of that. The the the. While I was in the state of depression, uh, I was looking for personal modalities to help me kick out of this. And that's when I went to ayahuasca. And so I had my first ceremonies. I didn't really know what I was getting into, and that was very much like dreaming an altered state of consciousness and in the altered state of consciousness i could see my stories i could see my narratives from a different perspective and rather than being subject you know when we're when something is subjective to us we're in it we are Mm. we are a victim to the situation we are deeply enmeshed in the situation when we have an altered state that 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 subjectivity becomes objective it gives we get a little bit of breathing room from it we can see it from a distance and that little bit of distance gives us a different perspective. And with that different perspective, we get different choices about it. So both ayahuasca in its ability to do a lot of healing and its different states of consciousness and dream work, they both give you something similar, which is a different way from which to view yourself, your narratives in life, your limiting beliefs. And with that, that ultimately becomes healing. That becomes freeing of any stories that you held that weren't serving you, any traumas that happened to you, and you know, capital T, big traumas, or small case T, little traumas that we all go through just in growing up. These different states of consciousness really give us wider perspectives and wider choice. And I, I always say, I don't really trust people who aren't playing with different states of consciousness, whether that be, you know, you get a different state of consciousness from going for a run or doing Wim Hof breathing or doing ayahuasca or going into a seven day Vipassana meditation. But if someone's just like, no, only waking reality, I don't wanna play with those other states. Well, that's limiting. Your foundation is so dependent on one way of looking at the world, which yeah, rational waking consciousness, we've, we've all found that important. And you have all these other aspects of consciousness from which to choose and which to look at your life which gives you a wider lens and again dreaming is just a very natural part of your biology we do it every single day so
0: utilize it yeah like i'm just curious like how long ago did you like take ayahuasca was it like you said like to stop running 10 years was it eight years ago or was it 10 years ago when you like went it
1: was uh, about six years ago that i had my first ceremonies and from then, I, I still work with ayahuasca when I feel called to it. Um, I've, I've gone much deeper in my my practice and work with those medicines. But again, you know, for anyone listening, these are these are big, powerful medicines. These are things that um, you know I, I don't recommend to anyone. It's something that you do your own research and you you figure out for yourself if you feel called to to work with something like this.
0: Yep. From my limited understanding of ayahuasca, it's one of those things where don't do it alone. You've got to have a guide to do it, like to go through that whole process because, hey, um, it's one of those, how can I put it? It's opening a door. This is how, I, like, how it's been explained. It's opening a door, but you can't be 100% sure what's on the other side of that door. Uh, and if you feel like, if you know what's on the other side of that door, uh, then I don't think you've actually taken ayahuasca.
1: <laughs> I think, I think there's a couple things to say there. Number one, yeah, definitively never take it alone Two, hmm. find someone who is an experienced ayahuasca or practitioner, learn about their lineage, how they learned about the medicine, the plants they've worked with all of this, you know, do your homework. It should be in a very, guided and integrative model so that you can make sense of, you know, these, these altered consciousness visions or bubblings that come up for you. And the same thing goes for dream work. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there is a bit of courage that is developed with this. You don't know what's going to come out. The, the unconscious mind is very unpredictable. We, no one has any idea what's going to come up. And so are you willing to look at what's in your subconscious? Are you willing to look at what's in your shadow, quote, unquote, and what's often in our unconscious mind, even though the research shows us that 95% 95 of our attitudes, our beliefs, our decisions are relatively unconscious and habitual to us. When we look at the subconscious mind, most of what's buried in there are things that we've suppressed, repressed, denied, and those are the things that are draining us of our energy. When we start to, like we were talking about with fears earlier, mm. when we actually start to face these things that we've suppressed and repressed or denied, they actually, that energy that was util- utilized, keeping them down and hidden from us, when we start to integrate them, feel them, deal with them, that energy that was kept defending us is now utilized. You can utilize it for creative activities. You can use it for expressing you know, the true unique self that you are into the world rather than hiding these pieces and experiences that have made up who you've become. And so we're getting deeper into, into to psychological and trauma work here. But ultimately, all of this is available to you when you start to choose, yeah, I'm going to look at the the murmurations of my mind through dreams every night, I'm going to look at the emotions that are stirred up, whether it's from a hilarious dream, or a terrifying nightmare. Mm. You know, I, I truly believe that our dreams are coming in the service of our growth. And so when we get a recurring dream, or a nightmare. These are the dreams that have turned up the emotional volume so that one, we're not going to forget them. And two, they're really going to catch our attention. Hey, there's something here you need to look at. There's some limiting belief or way of being or seeing the world that is hurting you. Maybe psychologically, maybe it's going to hurt you physically. You need to recognize this. You need to take a look at things from a different perspective. And when we start to learn to play with our dreams, interpret our dreams, again, oftentimes students very quickly are starting to see things like, oh, this was right under my nose, this way of being, this way of responding, these triggering events that I was just reacting to. Now that I've looked at them, I have the choice. I, ha- I can choose to respond rather than react. And that's an empowering place to stand from. So this little bit of, again, five minutes every day of playing with your dreams, ultimately is an empowerment act. It's it's an act of bringing conscious awareness, not just to these two hours that we're otherwise unconscious to, but conscious awareness to the narratives, the stories, our attitudes, and our limiting beliefs that we have in life. And ultimately, I think that's what we want for each other. Mm. I want you to be as empowered as possible. I want you to have powerful narratives for yourself and for the world around you, for the benefit of others. And I think, again, this often overlooked practice, this often overlooked aspect of self in dreams is really a disservice of our culture these days. I think we should really bring back nurturing. This is an important part of our lived experience. This is an important part of our growth and our expansion of self and
0: consciousness. Mm. Yeah, like with like I hear you, and I agree with like I agree with you most heartily, and like no, like, yeah, hey. and like with regards to much of like the dream coaching, like the DreamWorks, no, like no sponsor there, but like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
1: if you can get either of us sponsored by DreamWorks, then
0: we're good, man. Well, hey, what can I say? Just like hey, <laughs> send me some of that Shrek money. Come on. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like don't don't care <laughs> um but like yeah with regards to this training have you had have you ever used it for people who are suffering from ptsd uh like yeah and if you have how is it sort of been how effective has it been for some of the people you've worked with say
1: yeah. So the first thing I, I tell anyone suffering from PTSD or complex PTSD is I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. Mm. Best thing you should do is, is go in for some trauma work first and foremost. That being said, if these students or these clients do want to explore dreams or net, most often nightmares that are coming from traumatic events, this is really what a dream coach can help you do. Like you you said something earlier, which was very insightful, which is, You know, there's some fear in facing the unknown. There's fear in facing nightmares for Mm -hmm. sure. Again, we don't know what's going to come as a dream coach, or when I do a dream interpretation session with someone, it's a very bad word interpretation for what I help do, but a dream coach just holds some space for you. I don't have any answers. I don't know what your dreams mean. You, I can't tell what a dog means to you compared to what a dog means to me. I may have been bitten by dogs. And so dogs in my dreams are traumatic. You may have a hundred dogs in your home and you love them. So I can never tell what your dreams are going to mean. But we can take your dreams and I can help hold a space where you are comfortable exploring them, where you're comfortable with the emotions that are brought up with anything that your dreams generate for you, that might again, take you out of a reactive state. So people in PTSD having recurring nightmares. Well, how do you how do you usually when we have a a nightmare, we eject ourselves from the dream, it becomes overwhelming, we don't have the emotional or the cognitive tools to deal with the situation. So boom, you wake yourself up in a panic. Mm. How do we play with the dream and say, what would it look like if you became lucid here? How would you change the outcome of the dream? Where did the dream go dark? At what moment here did it start to get overwhelming? Let's look at that moment. Let's play with the dream. And play is a really important word here because what do we do when we play? We're in, a, we're in an environment of psychological safety. We can try new things. We can explore. We can be a little silly and imaginative and so when i can as a dream coach i I really help hold the space where even when it's frightening or 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 hard to deal with dreams how can we know that this is a safe place how can we play with some of the options that are available to us and just that act of playing with options of re-scripting the dream of looking at it from different angles has a ripple effect of reminding us that when we're facing a similar trigger or situation in waking life you still have choice. You have choice at how you respond. You have choice at how you make meaning of the situation, and choices ultimately empowerment.
0: Mm. Well, like basically, the only thing we can do in life, life is not so much like you can plan, but like the whole thing is like a situation. Like it comes down to how the individual reacts to that situation, whether it be a negative way or a positive way. Uh, like you see it all the time, but. Like with regards to like much of you, what you're saying, it seems like yeah, the per like the person or individual which is taking part in this, if they are a lot more aware of who they are, or if they are a lot more sort of how can I say, more well developed with regards to their sort of personality and growth, the more effective it would be. I might be wrong in saying this. Uh, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a fair to be a, I'm a learned man. Like please. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I, I think you're hitting on something really important there. You know, is this something that, whether it's dream work or therapy or ayahuasca or whatever the modality, should we wait until people are at a certain stage in their egoic development before we start tugging or pulling at some of the foundations of that sense of identity? And I think what's really important is, again, going back to this place of what if we nurtured this from the get go? What if we nurtured self reflection? What if we nurtured as we grew up? The way we can look at ourselves, our situations, our emotions from different perspectives, does that give us, give us a stronger foundation as we move through life? And I think that's really important. I think a lot of the trauma that we're facing as a, as a species right now, there's no one that isn't traumatized by inequality, the existential issues and you know, environmental issues and governance, everything that's going on in our history and our time right now. Is heavy. It's a lot to deal with for any of us. So if we nurture children to look, if we nurture ourselves to look at these aspects continuously from a reflective standpoint, to look at our emotions and how they're being triggered and why and what meaning we're making out of them, we're in a continuous state. Of mm. reflection and again choice, and I think that's that's really important. So I don't think there's any right or wrong time to start this. I think it, the sooner the better, because ultimately it's giving us the building blocks of know thyself a lot better.
0: Mm. Yeah, like because like this is the thing when you say is it egocentric? Like it's one of those things where in in my mind it seems like sometimes it could be a sort of chicken and egg uh, scenario or is it a circular scenario i'm not 100 percent sure which it is it might be completely different for each individual but it's like okay yeah like okay if you do like if you do the dream coaching it'll help with the ego help you get better on that side or is like uh, yeah you develop your ego and then it helps you get that side like, right which one is it or is it just a case of yes
1: Yes. And though, just,
0: and yeah. I like <laughs> that is like, yeah,
1: there's, there's no getting rid of the ego, right. The, the, oh. the, you know, we, we can look at the Buddhas. We can look at the ego is still an important part of understanding self, mm. but we can also temper that ego. Where is my ego of, of benefit to me? And where is it hindering? Whether it's for myself or, you know, the society around me, the relationships I have, and so it's a continuous balance and it's a continuous exploration of play. So I, I would just say, you know, for anyone, for anyone contemplating, you know, how do I start to play with my dreams? How might, what will this bring out for me? I can never say, you know, I can say though definitively that it's almost always really positive positive. and short term, it may not be short term. It may bring up some emotions short term, you may have to do some hard looking at experiences or narratives of stories that have been running your life that may not be serving you. And sometimes it's tough to let those go and try on something new. But ultimately, again, I believe your dreams are always coming in the service of your growth. And so if you listen to them and if you learn the language of your dreams, ultimately they're they're one of our best teachers and guides. It's this internal guidance system that is we're all we, we are all born with and we can all choose
0: whether or not we give it any attention. Mm. Yeah, no, I like that. I, I, I'm going to say that a lot. I like that. But like, <laughs> yeah. I am curious, like, okay, look, um, apart from your dream, like many moons ago, which helped you like where you met your 11 year old self, what put you on this current path? Was there like, have you had any sort of other sort of recent like sort of epiphanal sort of dream moments because like hey like you're like if you're not in touch with your dream self who is <laughs> <Liz>. wow yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah.
1: definitely. so I, i'll give a couple of examples one i used to use my dreaming quite a bit for preparing for speeches i'd have to give a lot of public presentations that's one of people's biggest fears uh, i'm pretty comfortable with it but there would be times i'd be pretty nervous going in and so i would incubate giving the speech in my dreams again and again for the entire week leading up to that speech. I'd I'd imagine going into the room, the people that I knew that were going to be in the room, and I'd give the speech in my dreams. So that by the time I got up there, it felt like I'd already done it a number of times. It felt second fiddle. It felt you know, that this was easy to do. It's not a question of, could I do it? I've already done it a bunch of times. So that was really effective. And that's, again, going to kind of that Olympic visualization practice that we were talking about. The other thing is, you know, I'm still very involved in my social innovation work, and I'm working with uh, a benefactor, a a philanthropist investor, and we're really looking at what their social impact thesis is going to be, how are they going to invest, or or spend some of their wealth in the service of the greater good around them. Mm. And so I Told this gentleman, he was an old mentor of mine. When he came and approached me, he said, "I'd like you to help me figure this out." I said, "Do you know what I'm into these days? You know, I used to be in finance when we knew each other. I'm into psychedelic work and dream work and consciousness expansion, and I truly believe that this will be the work of my life till the end of my days." And he said, "Great. Whatever we're gonna do, we need to bring that into the work and the education and the teachings that we're giving whoever this, you know, whoever our clients or beneficiaries might be." And so what I've been doing every single night since we started this project is putting questions to my dreams. Whatever the the step in the process of discovery that we're on, how might we, how might my dreams show me where I could take this idea? How might my dreams give me insights on, you know, where the direction of this project will go? And incredibly, as I, you know, through my waking days, I do research and I'm reading and I'm talking to people, my dreams will start to connect ideas and synapses across my brain that I hadn't made the connections to. And so I'll awake and just write down ideas that are coming to me. Some of them are total garbage. Some of them make <laughs> no sense to me. But like any prototyping experience, we're looking for quantity of ideas over quality. I don't have to have the perfect idea tomorrow morning, but if I have a hundred ideas over the next month, some of them are going to lead to better ideas in my waking life or better ideas in my dreaming life as well. So I'm continuously using this as a tool for ideation, innovation, prototyping, discovery, and ultimately exploration. And so it's, it's now just part of my, you can see post-it notes around my, my walls here. It's part of my work of just mapping my mind and my thoughts and the ideas and the context of what's going on. It's been extremely fruitful in that, those endeavors.
0: Yeah, I was I was going to ask about the posted notes. If they were connected with red string, I'd be like, oh, God, it's the Manchurian Candidate. Uh, going <laughs> up in time, just like, oh, my Lord. It's like, a, yeah. I, t- I took your picture off the wall. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, FBI. Yeah, his name's Cordell. <laughs> Jack. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you can track him down here uh, He's like, oh, It's like oh just uh, uh. like, yes, yeah, World War three What? <laughs> no. Yeah. So with the posted notes. Okay, for people who are just listening to this. Now yes, Cordell has posted notes. All over his wall. It's not on the level of uh, Bruce Almighty where Jim Carrey's covered in posted notes, but let's just say rough scoping, about fifty posted notes up on his wall. Like, yeah. So what are the posted notes for, apart from putting down a note or two? But yes, is there Yeah? I mean,
1: this this is mapping out ideas and thoughts and different ideas I'm entertaining right now. And, and, you know, dream work practice is a lot of this. So the the number one tool for a dream work practice is your dream journal. It's something that never leaves my bedside, always got a working pen beside it. And I'm just copying down, you know, usually before bed, I do a line or two, like 30 seconds of writing, like, here are the top five things that happened today. I was on a fantastic podcast. I played with my daughter. I went out for, you know, uh, a paddle board. Okay, whatever the kind of highlights of my day, I write those down. I'm just kind of, you know, these are big, big bucket items of my day. Again, in the morning, I write down what what were the big bucket items? What were the big symbols in my dream? What do I recall? Mm -hmm. Same thing with the post-it notes. Okay, as I do this research, what are kind of the big lights that are going off? What are the big ideas? And the more I kind of put this out, the more it's in my visual field, the more I give attention to it again, the more connections I start to make. And that's, that's innovation. Look, creativity, the, the precursor to creativity is inspiration. I'll take inspiration wherever I can get it. <laughs> Dreams, ayahuasca, ceremonies, long meditations, walks in the woods, conversations like this. I'll, it's all good fodder. And so when I'm always in a, a state of being open to creativity, waking or dreaming... More inspiration comes to me. I have more creative acts. I can express myself through these ideas more and more. And I think kind of to the human potential movement or idea, who's the Miwa that I want? The one who's expressing what yearns to be expressed through you. I want you to be the most centered, connected person to what you feel is most important, right or wrong. There's no rights or wrongs. Let's, let's get out there what we feel needs to be getting out there. And I think that's really important. So again, if your dreams are just these yearnings, these inner expressions that are coming out through you at night, okay, well, you're entertaining them, that practice of entertaining these inner yearnings, these inner expressions, will help you will build you the chops, so that throughout your waking days, whatever wants to be expressed through you, you're going to express.
0: Mm, I hear that. I hear that. Now i've got to say this, like with regards to all the work you do and stuff like this there there is a slight impishness about sometimes what like what you put out there in the world, and like yeah, I was listening to like some one poor podcast a year you put you' putting through the mental ringer, you did the whole sort like yeah, here we go, yeah, you went, hey. Yeah, set an alarm 20 times a day just to make sure, you know, like, yeah. Look, give you a second. Are you dreaming now? Is this real? Is this not real? Yeah. Impishness.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that example that you're, you're giving, that's a bit more of, a, uh, of an advanced practice, but ultimately for, for students that want to learn how to utilize their lucid dreaming more and more, mm. one of the biggest um, ways that we can learn to lucid dream is by questioning our reality continuously. So Miwa, are you awake or are you dreaming right now?
0: I've got a little band. I'm awake. <laughs> okay.
1: you. So you, you just did a little reality Yeah. You, you checked your band. Right. Seems like you're awake. We're looking at each other. Seems like the laws of gravity and physics are upholding. We're probably awake. Okay. During a dream, we rarely question, am I in a dream or not? Even with pink elephants flying by, even with weird things happening, we just kind of assume our default mode is to assume this is real, this is real, this is real. By starting to question, is this all real? Is this an illusion going on around us? We will start to do that in our dreams. When we start to do those little checks in our dreams, that's what will give us that cracking aha moment. Okay, I'm checking. Wow, I've got six fingers on my hands. Wow, something just flew by. That can't be real. I'm dreaming. And with that awareness gives you the opportunity to carry out intent. So again, whether you want to fly, whether what you want to work on a high dive, whether what you want to work on equals MC squared, problem solving, or whatever you might be facing, great, utilize that space. That's when you can go talk to other dream characters. Hey, I'm working on this problem. You got any ideas for me? Hey, I'm going to dive through this wall and see what happens when I change the physics of this location. Everything's available to you. The only limits are your imagination. And that's a beautiful practice because you quickly begin practicing, expanding your imagination. Like I said, okay, I can fly. I can walk through walls. Oh, I can change locations. Oh, I don't have to be Cordell anymore. Oh, I don't have to be a human being anymore. Oh, I can be 20 human beings. Oh, I can be the planet. Oh, I can just be pure awareness. Mm. And continuously, as you push the boundaries of your mental maps, as you push the boundaries of your imagination, that has extremely profound effects
0: on your waking day. I wonder now. With regards to yourself, like okay, do you have a like a person you consult on a regular basis in your dreams? Like, like if you're trying to solve a problem or if it's just down to one particular thing, is there some like a recurring character or a recurring guide, say, uh, for yourself?
1: Yeah. So there's two things I want to say to that. One. Just with regular dreams, when I'm not lucid, oftentimes one of the first things I'll do is share them with my wife. We'll be down at the breakfast table, and hey, I had this dream, and she will ask me questions and give me thoughts. Oh, if this were my dream, that would have made me feel like this, and just her perspectives gives me new vantage points from which to look at the dream and and derive meaning from it, and that's fantastic. So I always go to a friend or a partner, or you know, I, I have many dream teachers that I've studied under the over the years. And if it's a really big charge dream, I will often ask them for support with it. So going to someone to share dreams is a really important part. The second thing is when I'm lucid in a dream, do I go to a character or is there a common theme? I've kind of come to the point where I believe for the most part that dreams are the projections of your own mind. And so knowing that I will just become lucid and I will look up in the middle of the dream and just speak to the sky or or just speak into the dream and ask the questions I have. It doesn't have to be directed at a character or an animal or anything. And oftentimes I will get either changing dream scenes or direct answers back. Sometimes audio, sometimes written, um, but more often than not visual. We are all... Most people are visually prioritized education learners. We, 85% of our our learning comes from vision. Some people are more acoustically inclined. Some people are kinesthetically inclined. um, But for the most part, most of us depend heavily on our our, our visual uh, learning. And so oftentimes I find, at least for me, that dreams will will speak to me in symbols and images and, and situations that are, you know, if I just do a little bit of digging, have a lot to tell me.
0: Mm, yeah, Now, like, this is the thing, like one, at like, this question I ask you, I, I've, I, I would say I'm 90%, no, scratch that 95% sure how you would answer this, like finite or infinite.
1: Hmm. So that's a big question and a really important Uh, question that I frame for myself. Can I, can I ask you a little bit more finite
0: or infinite? What the finite or infinite game? Yeah. So
1: there's one of the most important books I've ever read uh, was called finite or infinite games by a guy named James P. Kars. And this, this thinking has really helped me in my life. So the question is, you know, how do we turn any finite game, any game That we play to an end, any game where there, in the end, there's a winner or a loser. How do we turn that into an infinite game? How do we continue to explore? How do we not end things? And I think that's a very important question for our civilization as we again rub up against finite resources and finite constraints. Mm. Well, we don't want this to be constrictive. We don't want this to feel like, okay, we've reached the limits of growth as a species. How do we take any boundaries that we come up against and integrate them? into the infinite game how do we continue to play and this is for me why dream work is so important any limiting narrative any constraint of stories that i tell that aren't expanding my growth i want to take them and i want to integrate them into a wider horizon into a wider playing field for myself and i think that's where we have an infinite game the history of our civilization has been based on finite growth, on continuing to you know, explore the West, on continuing to look into the seas and continuing to go spatially outward into outer space, all those things. Well, that's all very material. That's all very, uh, yes, of this waking world. What's infinite is our ideas. What's infinite is education and learning. And so dream work is this beautiful way for me to continue to, as I rub up against any boundary or any constraints That is stopping my thinking or stopping my growth question becomes and the questions I put to my dreams are how might I extend integrate those boundaries and extend beyond what seems like a constraint at this point. And oftentimes as I do that, my consciousness, my worldview, my world opens up to a wider and wider place. And that's that's a fun place to know that you can continue to grow and work
0: at. Mm -hmm. I hear you. I hear you. Because this is the thing. Um, when I, saw it, I was introduced to like the finite or infinite game it was Simon Sinek uh, was the mm-hmm. person who like made me aware of this, like, yeah. And like one of the things I always like, when you hear it, you're like, oh, it's one of those m- penny drop moments where you like go, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. I understand it. When people play or have a finite goal or an infinite goal, it's one of those things when you go and have a finite goal, and like this is just purely from my observation. I am no expert, people, so do not ask me for my degree, master's or doctorate in this subject matter. It's just what I've seen. When people operate on a goal which is finite, there is great, there is great joy, ambition, like drive to that goal. Nothing in, like when someone's truly on that, forget it, get out of the way, get on board, get out of the way, that person will rock it all the way if they're truly in it for that, but the weird thing happens when they achieve that goal, when they hit that dream, where they like go right, okay, there is nothing but misery and sorrow, because it's like, what do I get up for the next day? Where do I go the next day? How can I, where is my purpose drive? It's gone. And it is a miserable state. The up, great. But when you hit, hmm. Now, with the infinite game, it just is a, like, I see it as a standpoint, like, yeah, there is an endless possibility of joy, hope, happiness. And look, like, infinite growth, I don't know. But, like, you know what? When you listen to, like, a podcast with Neil deGrasse Tyson or whatnot, when he's talking about there's different forms of infinity, it's like, no, I'm, look, I'm just dealing with one infinity. Don't tell me there's, like, bigger infinities and different infinities. That just, no. So, to me, when it's like, yeah, growth, 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 growth. If I can like keep growing, keep developing and keep getting better until the day I pass, I can be happy with that. I can live with that. And like, you know what I mean? Who knows like what I am today? I don't know what I'll be tomorrow. Maybe it's like mm-hmm, apart from more dashing and handsome, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. We're 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 only
1: getting more beautiful and graceful with age. But no, I I think you make an important point. And, and, you know, when people are driving at a finite goal, well, mm. it's finite by, by its nature. There's a, there's a mindset of scarcity. It's the trophy. It's the one thing I got to get that. And yeah, get on board or get out of the way. Like you said. That's a very different mentality. If it's infinite, if we're in a place of abundance, we act very differently. It's not get on board or get out of the way. It's not dog eat dog. It's, mm. it's not any of that. We are a very different person. We are more gifting. We are more sharing. We are more collaborative when there's water for everyone, when there's money for everyone, when there's opportunity for everyone. And yes, we've been very good at driving innovation. And like you said, driving growth. But there's something inherently challenging about that, which is we've also turned the planet into a global shopping mall more, we get the thing and then we need something more, it's finite. Mm. Okay, we need something more, I I need that next thing, like you said, to wake up for and go get. And then it's just continuously, my satisfaction is always dependent on something external to me. When we're in abundance. Well, abundance is a mindset that is internal to me. Mm. When I am in a place of abundance, I don't need anything out there. I feel full, i my cup overfloweth and I can support and share. And so it's a very different again, this a bit of the metaphor microcosm of my journey. You know, my knee, ayahuasca, this dream work sent me, get got me to stop running around and go inward. And as I went inward, I realized infinite. Okay. There's no end to exploration. It's only my mindset. It's only the limits of my imagination. That has that, that practice has kept me in a place of more abundance throughout my waking days. So I think as our world, again, reaches the boundaries of these finite constraints of materialism, of all of that, we're sick of more. We know more is at the expense of others that is continuously put in our face again and again and again. So are we gonna to continue to go after more, go out, go after these outwards sources of validity of achievement? at the expense of others, well, that's going to be declining value to us as we continue to do more and as we are doing more. So let's turn inward. Let's keep playing this infinite game. And if education and if exploration is at the heart of its infinite, our imaginations are infinite, truly infinite. Great. How do we nurture that? How do we practice that? How does that become a way of being, waking, dreaming, or any state of
0: consciousness? And let's use all of them. Mm. Indeed, indeed Now, with that being said Now, okay Do you have an idea of what shape Your sort of future dream for yourself Is going to be Say over the next few years I'm not going to give you like Over the next five years No, I won't do that for you Because, hey, I think you're beyond that (laughs) Well, I I appreciate that question. I mean,
1: the ultimate answer is I don't know. And for probably the first time in my life, I'm really comfortable in that. You know, I I used to know when I was a rock star in international development, when I was winning awards and doing good things that were in alignment with my values, I knew everywhere I was going to be every single day for nine months in advance. That's how scheduled up my life was. And that was exciting. I knew it was going to be traveling. I knew it was going to be doing things. I don't know what next week's going to look like. Now, parenthood has added a little bit of spice to that. And, you know, the, she is my priority first and foremost, but as well, I also think we're entering into a state of exponential change and growth in the world. AI, you know, uh, computer, everything that's, that's happening around us, as well as the scarcities. And so I'm, I'm comfortable in the state of the unknown. I'm becoming more comfortable being... I don't know where this is going to go. And as long as I don't put too many constraints on where I want it to go, it's more open for exploration. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I'll, I'll get a little more practical. I think that particularly in as we're seeing the psychedelic renaissance happening, as we're seeing um, you know, the medical system completely accepting, yeah, okay, we know that psilocybin mushrooms can help deal with post-traumatic stress better than any pharmaceutical drug by factors of 10 that we've seen. Okay. We're going to start allowing and accepting and integrating these altered states that shift our perspectives, that heal us, that get us out of this. I think we're moving into a time where our dream research as well is opening us up to what truly is this other aspect of our consciousness. I think technology is going to play an incredible role in that. And so as our world moves to a state of not overlooking dreams, overlooking psychedelics, overlooking altered states, we're going to come into a beautiful place of integrating what has been an overlooked aspect of our wholeness. We're going to become more than we thought we were. And as we do that, we're not just individually going to see ourselves as I am all these different states of consciousness in support of my wholeness, in support of our as a civilization, wholeness and growth but all of us are going to move to what I think will be a fundamental shift in our evolution. You know, evolution usually happens and big changes almost revolutionary. And I think we need that, Um, whether it's the way we look at ourselves, we look at economy and society, but I I, I'm very optimistic and positive about what I think is about to happen in the next few years.
0: Mm. Like this is the thing I would say there is a shift, which is taking place. and like the whole thing with yes, uh, the big, the big bad pandemic and like, yes, the world being locked down, like for like, for a good part of the whole of like 2020. Now I think with regard to that, it's giving people enough, enough time to sort of sit down, reflect and go, is this the direction I want my life to go in? And I think that sort of shift, some people call it the great resignation. I look at it and go, right. It is, I would say, a awakening no i would say it's a case of the awareness bomb i would say mm-hmm. and like that sort of thing i think over the next three maybe five years i think that's when we're going to start to really see like major effects start to happen and with that i think there's going to be a case of there's going to be another people have like change their jobs There's going to be a number of people which like yeah maybe travel more there's going to be and I think it's going to be a case of there's going to be things I don't think we're actually aware of what's coming next but with this I would say this might be one of the most exciting periods of time to be alive for the rest of this decade to see what happens I'm not too sure what's going to happen
1: Um, I yeah I love that and I love I love awareness bombs Uh, I think you know what brings us to the fullness of our potential? Mm. You know, I, I'm working on this large education project. And as I look at, you know, what schooling, what what kind of inculturation do I want for my daughter? I keep coming back to, well, ultimately, I want her to be happy. Mm-hmm. I want her to be joyful and live a fulfilled life of her choosing. And ultimately, I want her to be as aware as possible. I want her to be as conscious as possible. So I think in awareness bombs, you know, the best thing we can do as we go through this great transition is become more fully conscious. How often do you and I go unconscious throughout the day? Hundreds of times. That's just natural. But when I'm here with you, when I'm giving you my full presence, when my mind is not wandering, when I'm not being desensitized by continuous streaming images thrown at my face, <laughs> the more consciously aware we can become, the greater that's going to support us in this transition. And ultimately, that's, that's kind of the, the fun of this dream work practices. Again, you're bringing conscious awareness to these otherwise unconscious aspects of your life. And the more we practice that, the more we can do that as habit. And I want habitually for my daughter to be as aware as she possibly can. I want all of us to do that. And I think what what's on the other side of us all practicing that and all playfully practicing that is, as Charles Eisenstein would say, is a more beautiful world that we all know is possible on the other side of this.
0: You know what? I can say this. like You and your daughter are going to have a very interesting conversation years from now because look... Like you, like you were full on corporate. Now you're not full on corporate. So it's like, yeah, that's like a very rounded individual, to say the least. <laughs> so, Thank you, appreciate uh, that. Yeah, so saying that, I'm gonna have to ask the question of the age. The question of the moment. Yeah, you may have like you may have heard the question before, but I'm going to ask it anyway. We'll see. Mm, okay. Now, yes, this will be your psychological test of all tests (laughs) Okay Now You know the Muppets You know Sesame Street I sure do Okay, pick a film, any film And now with that film Replace the cast of that film With the Muppets Hmm. (laughs) But you've got to have one human actor On the cast Which film do you pick, sir? Which film?
1: Oh, well, it's probably not that innovative, but what popped into my mind is the Matrix. And so I saw all of the band playing all the band in the Muppets, you know, Animal on drums and the saxophone player in the bass, everyone there playing all
0: of these ridiculous characters. <laughs> so, okay, who would be the human character? Huh. That's a good one.
1: You know, I I, I would have to choose one of my favorite actors of all time is Bill Murray. So if I can just, you know, put Bill Murray into anything, I find his absurdity and his wit. Yep. So imagine replacing Neo with Bill Murray. And I think The Matrix is now just ah,
0: perfect. (laughs) Okay, Uh, The Matrix with the Muppets. Well, most of the band of the Muppets with Bill Murray playing Neo. Uh-huh. Uh, fair enough.
1: You'd watch it. You'd watch
0: uh, it. Uh, uh, I would watch a lot of stuff. I won't lie. But it's like, yeah, that's the truth of the matter. I would. But like, this is the thing. Like, if it was me, I would have, yeah, the Muppets. And I would have, more, like, I would have Lawrence Fishburne, like, still being like Morpheus. Still like, yeah. Talk it out. Oh, who would it be? I would, and I'd have Fozzie Bear as Neo. <laughs> I know ka- I know Karate, I know Kung Fu. Waka Waka, <laughs> show me. Uh, can you see the two of them fighting it out? Yeah, George I love
1: it. And Agent, Agent Smith, played by Kermit. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> okay um, now now tonight you incubate that into a dream i would like to be in the matrix <laughs> with the, the, with bill murray and all of the muppets
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> okay yeah well that'll be one hell of a dream <laughs>
1: <laughs> you call me when you need some interpretive help with that one
0: <laughs> it's like, I, you know, it's like, I, like i think the whole of your walls would just be covered in post-it notes I go, okay right it's <laughs> like, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Now, <laughs> Cordell, now, can you tell the lovely people out there how they can find you out there on these interwebs? Yeah, absolutely. So
1: thanks for offering that. Anyone can find out about my work, my courses, my teachings at Cordell. Jacks.com. That's C-O-R-D-E-L-L-J-A-C-K-S.com. And anyone who's just interested in even dabbling with their dreams, you can find me on Facebook, Cordell Jacks Dream Coach, and sign up for my free seven-day dream recall challenge. I promise you, if you try this, I'll send you a video every day to your email. Try some of these tips. You're going to start your dreams, having your dreams come back with a vengeance. So take a look at that. And then finally on Instagram, Cordell.jax, and any courses, coaching, dream interpretation work, or just to chat about the Muppets, feel free to reach out to me.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, yes, please do. Look, I'll, like guys, I'll put his all of his details in the show notes, in the description. So, yes, track him down. Talk about your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Some Muppet related, who knows? Like I'm like chucking a thunder cat to just throw him off there. Yeah, he's got he's got impressive hair. He's got hair like Lionel. I'm gonna give him that. Like, yeah, <laughs> I guess. I'll take it. There you go. Thunder. Milla, thunder. Thank you. <laughs> thank
1: you so much. It's it's been really fun to to dive deep with you and to have some fun here. I really appreciate it.
0: I, the pleasure's been all mine. Thank you for coming on today, Cordell. Look. I will no doubt get you back in the future unless I got yeah and yeah most probably be me lying on the couch like going hey man tell me about this stream I really need some help
1: (laughs) anytime (laughs) anytime
0: excellent excellent and I'd like to say thank you to you my friends my life warriors for sticking with us staying with us up until this point please stay safe stay well be awesome be excellent be fantastic be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some have a great day guys yes peace and we are